I think it's really important for actors or anybody um, where you go into any meeting um, to realize that you're just as much interviewing them as they are interviewing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also remember that they want you. They want you to say all the right things and be the person. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this whole like power struggle that goes on in rooms a lot. And I'm like, no, they're people. They want you to be the person for the job. Mm-hmm. They don't want to keep looking all day and all week. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we bring the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survived the city of dreams, Los Angeles. As always, I'm your host, Daniel Tuttle. Thank you so much for joining us as we begin another wonderful interview series for the next two weeks. Uh, you know, you're about to meet an amazingly positive and energetic person, uh, Allie Williams, who just has such a cool story and moving here and uh building her life here and and building a career here and it's just it's really fascinating and i think it's definitely going to give people out there who maybe feel like they don't fit the norms of uh uh film and television a little inspiration that hey anybody can make it you just have to let them know that you're needed in this industry that your type and your look is needed and and Wanted, and that it is possible for you to make it in this in this business, even if you don't look like Ryan Reynolds or Joseph Gordon-Levitt or Scarlett Johansson. Um, that there's always a place for you uh, in the arts. So definitely enjoy the show. I think it also inspire you. Uh, if any of you are one of the entrepreneurs or anything like that, I think it's going to inspire you. Now, one of the other things that we talk about since uh, Ali is a professional cosplayer is about cons, uh, Comic-Con, WonderCon, things like that, and uh, cosplay. And, you know, I've been to uh, one or two cons and um, seen my share, uh, fair share of cosplay, and, man, some of the stuff these people do are insane. Like, I could only hope to do what they do. Um you know the the amount of time that they spend in these costumes because they love that genre the comic book and film and television genre so much is ridiculous especially some like the more stuff from like japanese anime um or if somebody like creates like a giant like rock monster and it's just amazing to see in person um people wanting to take pictures with them all this stuff and we also talk about a little bit of the downside the critiques that they get um you know that you know how some girls who dress uh, for Comic Con get uh, shamed a little bit for maybe dressing provocatively, or they just, as one uh, crit- critic, quote unquote, I said that very loosely, um, put it was that you know you just put on a tail and a hat um, and, and show your boobs and your in cosplay and how he didn't find that real, and it's kind of like, hey, who are you to judge, man? Uh, you know, cosplay is what co- is to you. It's you know how you want to represent the characters you love. Doesn't mean you don't love them as much as someone else. Maybe they're just not as good at sewing, you know, um, or they're just not as good at um, any other you know uh, uh, costuming parts that would allow them to do more complicated stuff. Um, it doesn't mean that they love what you love less than you. Or don't want to, you know, be representative of it as much as you do. Um, so it always just it surprises me some of the 
um, ways that some of the female cosplayers are treated um, is just shocking. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of things where you know, dress how you feel you represent the thing you love, no matter what that is. Uh, you do you. That's what the arts are all about. Is is representing yourself and and showing who you are um and and letting the world know what you want to say and the stories you want to tell um that's what the arts is about so do it with that said let's get to someone with way more knowledge of cons than i model actor professional cosplayer and entrepreneur ali williams ali discusses her beginnings as a model and actor in florida why she decided to shift from theater to film, and how hard she worked to prepare to move to L.A. We talk about her first few experiences in L.A., including a great run on Let's Make a Deal. Then Allie shares stories of getting her first agents and roles. Finally, we discuss cosplay and the various reactions they receive, and Allie's company, Princesses Me, uh, parties, and how you self-brand, uh, which is something Allie does very well. So put on your favorite costume, get your hashtags ready, and enjoy this fantastic interview with the energetic and positive Allie Williams. Thank you, Michael and Daniel in the studio. Today we are talking to Allie Williams. Allie is an actor, creator, model, professional cosplayer, costumer, and business owner. She can be seen in the film's Disaster LA, The Last Zombie Apocalypse Begins Here, and Lost in Darkness. On the small screen, she she was seen in Cry Wolf and Tattoo Nightmare. Or, on the smaller screen, her YouTube show, The Drunken Cosplayer Unboxing Show. You can also catch Allie at several cons, dressed as Nuka Girl, Alira from Van Helsing, or a Royal Academy student named Ariel. Speaking of princesses, if you have a little one, you can also hire her to throw a kick-ass princess, superhero, or dancing party. Ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome the amazing and very busy Allie Williams. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so how does it feel to hear your whole existence summed up in one paragraph? Uh, it's really interesting. <laughs> kind of surreal. Yeah. <laughs> Did I catch everything? Is there anything I missed? No, Did I get anything course. wrong? Um, I, I don't think you got anything wrong there's just so much more to someone's life than a paragraph absolutely and that is why you're that's the interview folks we're not going to talk about anything else thank you for coming so thank you so much for coming Allie thank and you being for on having the show. me uh, so let's just start from the beginning where it all began for Allie Williams we don't have to learn like I was born at 1255 or whatever but what was your what's your family like what do you have any brothers sisters only child how were your parents um, my parents are pretty awesome. They divorced when I was, um, five and I have one brother and then I have my little brother and sister who are biological to each other and okay. then they're adopted. Uh-huh. Um, so they didn't come into my life till high school years. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of cool like to like expand the family cause we're a very small family. We've always been able to fit around the dinner table, all of us around one table. I don't have any cousins. Um, my mom has a sister. My dad has a brother. That's it. All mm. the grandparents are alive. We all live in Florida. Like, it's <laughs> super tiny. It's super tiny. So you were born in Florida. Yes. Grew, grew up in Florida. How long were you in Florida before you moved to California? 
I was in Florida until I think it was like three years after graduating. Okay. Um, from Florida State University. Okay, and then you moved to LA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is kind of an interesting question. Something I thought about, and I just want to see um, how, you, if you can think about it. Do you remember when you first realized you had an imagination? I mean, the first moment. Or a memory of, ha- of like, using your imagination. Um, I remember clearly in elementary school playing, like, make-believe on the playground with my best friend, Charlie. Nice. Um, before that, I remember being very just, like, to myself, you know, not really a very outgoing child. And um, there was this movie, Anastasia, <laughs> that I fell in love one. with. Yes. <laughs> and I actually um, started casting my friends in a, like, playground version of the the show that I had in my mind that I was going to make of the movie and um, I remember like getting Bartok the little bat like making like an outfit for him out of um, sheets and things and I was of course going to be Anastasia and um, my friend Charlie was going to be Dimitri and like I cast everybody I was planning on this big thing like I was putting on shows and on the playground with my friends when I was I don't know like second or no it would be fourth grade Fourth grade. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've discussed on this show previously how I would play ridiculous games like Day Off, which was a day- game me and my best friend played where we, it was our perception of what adults' day offs were. Oh my gosh. It was, it, I've explained it on this show before, it's ridiculous. It's it's the dumbest thing in the world. I don't think I was casting anything though. That's, in, that's incredible that you were already <laughs> casting your friends in these roles. Now, how did you turn down friends if they, at that age if they didn't fit the role? I mean, I wish that they were just knocking on my door begging to be in my playground production, but they weren't. Um, these are my close friends that I was just like, we were already playing make-believe, and it was just taking it to the next level and mm-hmm. adding in costumes mm-hmm. and um, just kind of like planning out the scenes and things. Now, when did you guys go to Broadway? <laughs> I mean, um, it is on Broadway now. Uh, go see Anastasia. I, I, I did the show for 23 years. Uh, I recently got out of my contract. <laughs> Um, so, so that that what was your first experience of performing for people other than like on the playground? Um, I believe that my first actual scripted line was a line on budget cuts in a school production at my elementary school, and I was so nervous <laughs> about that that one line. I had it like on a note card, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I got to get this weird word down. It doesn't look like it sounds," but I I nailed it. Do you remember what it was? It was. It had the word budget in it. That's all I remember. That's all I remember. Did you say the the line that made the play like there are budget cuts? <laughs> no, it was like this weird um, presentation of some kind of idea. I don't even remember what the whole thing was, but it's like we're learning stuff, and here's kind of what we're learning, and maybe it was on government and. <laughs> Fourth grade, if I... If I really like want to know what you learned about government in fourth grade. I know, right? <laughs> Let's make this fourth grade government talk. <laughs> uh, back in fourth grade, we learned about democracy. Uh, <laughs> now, were any of your parents performers? Did you get your performer, performing creative side from any of them, or was it something that you kind of developed on your own? Um, not that I'm aware of. I don't think either one of my parents were artistic like and performers in that way. Mm-hmm. My dad ran a restaurant... And my mom was a waitress, and that's where they met, down in Gainesville. 
And so they did an occupation connected to actors. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You had a close affiliation. Yeah. Um, and then my mom ended up becoming a teacher. And my dad ended up running um, a bunch of um, grocery stores as like a manager, assistant manager, things like that. So, yeah, it's I don't know exactly where it came from, but it's um, really interesting to see also that my little sister um, has the same kind of tendencies. So I'm wondering if it's more of a parenting approach um, that's very like nurturing and like be yourself and whatever you want to do kind of thing, mm-hmm. because it seems like the same thing is happening with my little sister. Okay. Actually, she's um, already performing. She's singing. She's dancing. Oh, wow. She's doing plays, and she is. Um, she just turned nine. Nine, and she's on Broadway, correct? In yes, that, she's Anastasia. A, she's in the Anastasia play. She took over your role. <laughs> she was your understudy, yes. and now she gets the role. I get it. I see how it all works. So you went through. Uh, what was your, what was, was your major in in college theater? Um, yes, actually, I wanted to get a BFA in acting mm-hmm. when I. Um, when I went off to Florida State, but they told me that I would have to do a full four-year track in order to um, get the BFA, and I was like, I already have two years of college done. I'm going to be sitting around doing nothing, wasting my time while I'm like trying to stay with this whole family unit and do this whole four-year journey together. And I'm like, these guys are great. That's fine. You can, you know, I can still take the classes back to back to back to back mm-hmm. and get through the program. And they're like, no, that's not how it works. We choose our 12. And I'm like, okay, fine. Well, I dual enrolled and got 40 credits and went through like a summer at the community college too. On top of it, I got my associates. I don't need to do two years again yeah no so i told them i was like i'll just get a ba Mm -hmm. i'll get my bachelor's in arts and be a ba Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um i got my degree in theater okay but what's really fascinating though is that my first general audition is what they call them for Mm -hmm. the theater program so everybody's in the theater program was encouraged to go to the general auditions for the season Mm mm-hmm and I remember halfway through that audition, it was just two minutes, two minutes, and that was it. I was standing up there on the biggest stage I've ever been on, and I had, like, an epiphany, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Hmm. Um, and I was like, I, I don't want to act on stage. Um, I got a taste of acting on camera through modeling and doing commercials mm-hmm. and um, back when I was in high school, and I was like, well, that seems like a lot more fun. I really enjoy that. And so about halfway through that audition, I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I finished it, but mm-hmm. it just like, it changed for me. And I yeah. was like, not surprised that I didn't see any callbacks or anything, mm-hmm. especially being a first year in the program. So um, yeah, I ended up going over to the film school and um, acting over there in about, I think it was like, ended up being like 20 something projects oh, wow. over the two years. Wow. Yeah, I half that's kind of how it happened with me. Halfway through my college, I realized I wanted to do film, mm-hmm. but the way the film section worked, I would have had to do pretty much do a restart yep. of my whole college career. And so it was kind of like, I'll just learn it on my own yeah. a little bit and and I kind of so self-taught myself a lot of it in that way. 
Uh, what was your first commercial in high school? What commercial were you in that you? Um, it was a commercial for a local chicken joint. Um, <laughs> is that is the name of it? Local chicken joint? No, I've, I forget what it was, but it was this really silly concept mm-hmm. where it's just a bunch of people having fun in different places around the city mm-hmm. with chicken, and they have this guy in a chicken suit who's like doing this fun chicken dance, <laughs> and um, I remember sitting on the beach in my red swimsuit. And um, long blonde hair and just eating these um, bits of chicken out of this box. And who knows where the heck that commercial is now. Um, Because you know what I see girls doing on a beach a lot? Eating buckets of greased chicken. I know, right? (laughs) Happens all the time at beaches. Yeah. Hey, let's go to the beach. Do we have our bucket of KFC? Because that's not a beach day if we don't. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> yes. That's why I love commercials. There's someone just like, really? That's, that's how you think people do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fantastic. How did that happen? How did that come about for, for like, was it exciting? Was it to be, like, in your first commercial in high school, I'm going to be a star feeling? It was super exciting. It um, wasn't the start of things, though. Mm-hmm. I um, got that through my modeling agent okay. at the time. And um, I somehow, I don't know. I can't recall how I got into it, but I became the token white girl in a modeling agency. I was the minority, Mm -hmm. and um, I had the body type that they loved. Mm -hmm. And I always joked, I'm like, I'm part black. And it's just like, one day it actually came true that I was like part of this agency (laughs) that they were like, we love you. You're perfect. You're what we need. And so since I was a minority, they... It got me work a lot, including that commercial. And I'm like, this is great. Like, it was like, they were super supportive and got me lots of work. But it was, it was kind of strange. I'm like, how did I end up with this modeling (laughs) agency? And like, okay, fine. Right. Like, I'll take it. Now, when did you get? uh, Kind of doing a kind of a memento going backwards. When did you get into modeling? Um. Oh, when did I get? Oh, yeah. That's how I did it. Um. Well, I would, I, was, love you. I would have loved you said, oh, yeah, that's how I did it, and then just stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> like, would, do you mind telling us? <laughs> yes. Um, yes, I can. <laughs> I, I was on the way to a water park in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, and um, like the forgetful person that I am sometimes, I realized on the way to the water park that I forgot my swimsuit. And, and, your, and your bucket of chicken. <laughs> And so I um, told my dad, I'm like, I forgot my swimsuit. He's like, are you kidding me? I was like, I'm not. And we're like, okay, well, there's this Venus swimwear place right here that's along the way. Let's stop in. They have a store. And it was just like the headquarters. So we stop in, and um, I saw a sign on the door. I was, I think, like, no, I think I was 16. And I saw a sign, and they were like, five eight and taller you know 21 plus in age and um size 34d or bigger and i was like i am none of those but i'm gonna ask anyways (laughs) so i went up and i said hi i saw your your casting call on the door and i don't fit your model requirements but um i would love to be a model for you guys and they're like actually we need some people for our junior line Oh, and I said, awesome. really? And so they tried me in a bunch of suits when the guys came out from the behind the doors in the warehouse mm-hmm. and was like, hi, I'm, you know, one of the big guys up here and let me take some pictures of you. I came back and met the head honcho mm-hmm. and he approved me. 
Oh, wow. And I ended up doing, um, I think it was two or three um, catalogs with them. Oh, that's fantastic. So I literally, like I was talking earlier, sometimes you just got to ask. Sometimes it's just a matter of going up and being like, hi, I want to do this. Absolutely. And taking the doors will open up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Michael, please make a note. From now on, I want to introduce myself to all future guests as the big guy around here. Sure. Right, thank, you. thank you so much. We'll put it on the business card. Absolutely, yeah. Just no, not my name. Just the big guy around here. Appreciate. Thank you. Uh, so let's fast forward real quick. Um, when did you decide to move to Los Angeles? Oh, let's see. I decided to move to Los Angeles. It was definitely, I think it was right in the middle of Florida State University in my mm-hmm. time there when I started to get more into film acting, mm-hmm. and I realized my original dream that I had in high school moving to New York City um, wasn't going to work because now I'm not doing theater. Right. I'm doing film. And um, I had a bunch of friends because the, in the film world and in the film school who were going out to L.A., and I felt like you know I would have people there that I know, like mm-hmm. it seems like a good place and where I need to be. And I think so I think it was like halfway through my time at Florida State. Was it a, you know, I've done what I can here, I want to take my chances where it actually is happening kind of feeling? Um, was it an escape for you just to kind of not get away from family, but kind of venture out on your own a little bit as well? Yeah, it was all those things. I um, I definitely felt like I had reached the, the ceiling mm-hmm. of my time in L.A. Or time in L.A. <laughs> if <felt>. only. <laughs> <laughs> I've reached my time in L.A. I'm good. <laughs> no, Announcing I... her departure. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's a note. She's leaving, guys. She's going to Idaho. Oh. Who goes to Idaho? <laughs> Sorry if you that live in Idaho. <laughs> So I felt like I reached my ceiling of um, opportunities in Florida. And there's a bunch there, but it just didn't feel like a challenge anymore. Mm-hmm. It felt like I could just walk into an audition, book it, book it, book it, book it, book it. And I was like, this is nice. But if I can do this in a bigger place where there's better opportunities, where I can make more money, where I can get more exposure, where I can get bigger mm-hmm. experiences, I want to do that. Absolutely. So um, I felt confident because everything was going so well in mm-hmm. Florida that I could conquer Los Angeles. How old were you when you decided this? Uh, 21. 21? 20, okay. something like that. Um, how, many, how long between making that final like hard decision, like I'm moving to L.A., to actually making the move? What was the time frame? I think it was like two years, two years. three years, something okay. like that. Um, because I, after Florida State, um, decided that I needed to get a lot of money. So um, I I didn't have any debt or anything. Mm-hmm. It was great. Like I had enough scholarships that paid my way, and um, I, I was solid with that. I just knew that I needed a nice base before I moved out to Los Angeles so that I wouldn't come back. Right, no, absolutely. So you, you did some planning, you knew you needed some you needed a nice savings account, uh, to have a cushion because mm-hmm. it's not it's not you get here and the gates open and everybody's like, Welcome, here's bunny and acting roles. Yep, exactly. Um what what how did you uh, how did you plan in other ways? What were other ways that you really prepared yourself to move here? Um, I paid off my car. Mm. Um, I got a job at Walt Disney World. Um, I worked full time and then some. I was a figure model for art classes. 
and um, I was also a cashier at Publix at the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. So I worked a lot um, and just saved up about I think it was like eighteen grand. Oh wow! Um, while I also paid off my car, <laughs> like it was great. <laughs> nice. And so I was like, all right, I'm set. I have no big bills. I have no debt. Mm-hmm. I have money in the bank. Let's do this. Let's do. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go to L.A. Cue the Ricky, Lucy and Ethel, Lucy and Ricky music as they drive off to L.A. Black and white. Um, did you? Did you? Now it seems like you moved here by yourself, or did you move with someone else? Um, I definitely moved out here by myself. Okay. I when I came from Orlando, I swung by my hometown, picked up my best friend, and we took the road across country. <laughs> nice. So I flew her back, but. Um, we almost killed each other, but we survived. You so tried? we're still friends. I had, a, <laughs> I had a friend who, two friends that moved from the New York, New Jersey area. And he killed both of them. He killed, I killed both of them. Oh. They stayed at my house on the way here. <laughs> no, um, they, two of them, one of them hosted a podcast for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so they knew a lot of people from all over the U.S., and uh, one of the other guys was friends with them and listened and kind of people knew him from the podcast community. And then another host came with them as just like a road trip and they stayed at other like fans and friends' houses on the way and they just decided to take this time and just tra- travel all over the US and so they went from like New York, New Jersey down to Georgia through Louisiana and Texas and like just kind of went all over the place. Wow. So when you moved here what was your first impressions of LA? Um so fun story. I pulled into LA at my friend's place at I want to say like 11 o'clock at night after driving for five days I think it was across country and as soon as we parked I was like let's park on the side street I parked on the side street as soon as we park me and my friend are getting stuff out of the car I told uh, my other friend who's living here I was like hey we're here just unloading the car and I hear this weird noise and I'm like what is that noise it sounds really like like is that a car? And then we see this car turn the corner and start to come down the side street towards us. A piece of the bumper from hitting and running, it hit some other car. It, oh, wow. um, the front bumper had opened up and it was um, scratching all the other cars that were parked out in the main oh. road. And... Um, it also like like the front wheel had been a little like dented in, and so they they're obviously just under the influence of something. And um, me, my friend, my best friend, who just like made it here like two minutes ago, we're like U-turned. looking like we were out of the car, we we're in the middle of the street, mm-hmm. and it's coming towards us. And I was like, "Hey, we should probably get on the side of you know get out of the way." Um, so we stand on the side and watch as the car just like comes to a stop, like. I don't know, like 50 feet from us or something. Oh, wow. And um, then we watch as everybody in the neighborhood starts coming out and screaming and, like, banging on this person's car. They're not coming out. And then this giant man who just, like, walks like he's a machine, like all these muscles, walks up to the car and, like, bangs on the door, starts cursing at him and tells him to get out and eventually gets out. And I was just like, well, welcome to L.A. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That happens every night. <laughs> yeah, it was just, um, it was like, you know, L.A.'s full of adventure. L.A. is um, whatever it can be, I guess. I was like, I don't know. It could be a little dangerous, but it can be exciting. And 
um, you know, follow your gut. And I was like, good thing I didn't park on the street. And like, yeah, it was, uh, it was just like, oh, wow, now I'm not back home anymore. I'm somewhere else. So I don't know. I thought it was pretty exciting. My best friend, though, was like, we almost died. She still <laughs> I'm lives going in Florida. home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you um now did you already have like a place set to to live when you came here did you have friends that already lived here that you stayed with like what was how did you plan your living situation I got very fortunate um I stayed with some of my friends um who are now married and they're adorable um they let me stay in their guest room for $200 a month for I think it was like 2 or 3 months while I got everything on my everything on my feet and mm-hmm. I um got a little comfortable because, you know, you can get comfortable $200 a month. Mm-hmm. And so um, I eventually, I found a apartment up in North Hollywood that turned out to be very haunted, but that's another podcast. Um, so I I lived there for a little while with a roommate, and then um, eventually she wanted to move in with her boyfriend, and um, I found a new place. So I was in Burbank. And then I was in North Hollywood, and then Sherman Oaks. Oh, so you kind of just went do-do-do, yeah, kind of bounced I, around. Yeah. Nice. Um, did you already have a job when you came here, or did you come here, no job, just ready to, ready to work? I was ready to work. Mm-hmm. Um, as a non-Screen Actors Guild actor, I was able to um, do a lot. Mm-hmm. I just signed up for any kind of background work I could do. And um, did a bunch of that, and I also signed up for LA Casting, all the casting sites, and just submitted myself left and right. I was working um, almost every day. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, if you hustle when you get here and you go to you know the uh, central casting and mm-hmm. on all that stuff, you can definitely just as long as you call in and find out what they need, you can definitely work a lot as long as you put the hustle in. Yeah, for sure. When you get here. Um, so Los Angeles versus Florida. Um, <laughs> what were the major differences that you noticed uh, between the two, especially in the sense of like performing and, and the creative uh, side of, of things? Um, well, aside from the weather differences, I miss my thunderstorms. Um, <laughs> and um, the people, and they're much more open-minded here, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, the opportunities just seemed endless. It's like it can be a little overwhelming. It's like it's all there, and it's like you got to go out and do it. And there's, like, this overwhelming, like, pressure almost that we all put on ourselves. Like, go out and do it. Like, do it. Like, keep pushing. Just there's do still it, man. Still, yeah, there's still, there's so much out there. So, um, yeah, it was it was really exciting because whenever I wanted a job, I could find one. Right. And just get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, as long as you keep your, your eyes open and are doing the research, you can always find something mm-hmm. to do, right? Yeah. Um, even if it's in, like, a background type aspect or behind the scenes aspect you can always learn mm-hmm. and find something to do um and make a little scratch hopefully while you're doing it yeah um, scratch being money for those that are not <laughs> that are younger than 33 uh <laughs> so what were, so you obviously said you, you you signed up for la casting um you you did uh, central casting a lot of background work did the hustle so that's kind of you getting started with everything um what else did you do to kind of get yourself going to networking and 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 setting up auditions and meeting people and making those connections uh what else did you do to kind of get yourself settled in it just actually came from just talking with people on set just constantly being on set and just being like hi and just meeting the right people and just like one job leads to the next i did get an agent Mm -hmm. um i think i got an agent the first month i was out in la 
Um, yeah, and I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, they're right down the street, actually, here in Century City. Um, <laughs> so that was really exciting. So um, that helped, and I was just, you know, just hustling, just constantly moving and constantly keeping my eyes open. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Now, how did how did you go about getting the agent? What did what did you do? How did you know, what were the pro, what was the process of getting that agent to sign you? Um, I believe she found me, if I remember properly. Um, she was going through LA Casting, and there is on their side an option for agents to search for talent that's unrepresented. Mm. And it's very important to make sure all your boxes are checked properly on LA Casting um, and up to date. Because she found me, and I mm-hmm. went in and I just had a meeting, and I was like, yeah. I like you. And um, I'm signed pretty much like right away and just was like, you know, what do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. Well, like, let's give it a shot. When you're in the meeting, what, uh, any advice for anybody that's going in or in the future going into an agent meeting? Do you have any advice on, you know, what they should do right and what they shouldn't do? Um, anything like that? Things you may think may have helped you get signed? Um, I definitely, I wrote out a bunch of questions. I remember doing this with the manager too. I wrote about a bunch of questions that I had for her. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important for actors or anybody um, where you go into any meeting um, to realize that you're just as much interviewing them as they are interviewing you. Mm -hmm. Um, And also remember that they want you. They want you to say all the right things and be the person. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this whole like power struggle that goes on in rooms a lot. And I'm like, no, they're people. They want you to be the person for the job. Mm-hmm. They don't want to keep looking all day and all week. Right. Um, so it's like to go in and just be like, you know, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. And I may not like you. Right. Um, which is totally fine, too. So, yeah, that, that'll get a lot of the jitters out of the way. Mm-hmm. And also just being like, okay, what can they ask me based on my resume and make sure that looks good? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, just go through and just kind of have all those questions ready. Just be prepared. Mm-hmm. I, think, I, think, I think the biggest thing, like you said, is knowing that it's kind of like an audition. Yeah. They want to like you. Yeah. They want you to be the one so they don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So they want you to be this person that they're trying to fill in their roster you know, so they want you to be good. You know, I think that's that's something people always think it's this thing of like I'm fighting against them to get this, but it, and, and what it should be is they want me to be an ally, and so I have to make sure I look like an ally. Yeah, and actually another good piece of advice, something I did, um, I remember clearly with Coast to Coast, who I'm currently represented by, one of the largest um, agencies in America, and definitely for commercial work, I pitched myself to them. Mm-hmm. At the time, I had multicolored rainbow hair, mm-hmm. not just one colored fun color. And um, I said, I know I'm not the normal commercial type. And I said, but I am. And it's like, especially with um, anything that's current, anything with cars, anything with electronics. And like, mm-hmm. they are going to want to reflect what the current style and what is hot in the street. Mm-hmm. I have seen it in print. I've seen on the streets. It's been around long enough. They're going to want this fun look in mm-hmm. their commercial if they're doing something current. Right. Sure enough, just last week, I filmed a spot for Honda. Oh, nice. Like, it's it was bound to happen. And mm-hmm. I called up my agent. I'm like, so, we did it, huh? <laughs> like, thanks for taking a chance on me. Right. Um, yeah, I just went in and I was like, here I am. And here's what I can do for you. Here's right. that niche. And, like, it's not going to work for everything, but you're not going to please everyone no matter how you look. Right. So just um, 
having that confidence and pitching yourself is big too. Absolutely. Um, now, obviously, on your resume, you have a lot of training that you've done. Uh, UCB, uh, some combat training, um, gun training. <laughs> um, if you want to see Allie Williams shoot guns, go to her website because <laughs> there's oh, yeah. a video of her shooting guns. At the gun range. Uh, gun range, doing some uh. gun, tra- uh, gun gun lessons. Um, <laughs> so tell me about, uh, for those wondering, because people have heard about UCB. Everybody's heard of those initials. Um, and it's widely known a lot that a lot of people look for UCB or groundlings or <laughs> something on your resume. Um, how you know what, what kind of took, led you to those classes uh, how were those classes? They can be expensive. Was that a worry for you having to pay so much money? Um, kind of what led you to them? Kind of just go over that 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 adventure for you. Uh, my agent led me to them mm. at the time. Um, he said you need to have these on your resume. Um, people, are, casting directors, aren't looking at talent unless they have something that says that I can improvise, that I can can act. And I was like, well, that tragic but okay um and at the time that money was a lot and um i i just kind of logically broke it down and i looked at it from a business standpoint i'm like how many classes how many hours like what am i actually paying Mm -hmm. um and i was like okay it is worth it it just seems like a lot all at once Mm -hmm. and so i did groundlings first i got through the first audition went in and right away i was like gosh darn it i don't like this um it's just they teach so much differently and they have a different mentality that didn't really align with me. And I realized, I was like, if I was going for SNL and something like that, where it's mm-hmm. kooky, fun characters all the time, mm-hmm. cool, this would be great. It's like, I need something to help with my acting. Right. To make me in the moment, make me a better listener, uh, better reactive and all that fun stuff. Um, so I, I tried and tried, but it's like I could never be what they wanted mm-hmm. and so I failed mm-hmm. I failed the class um that's right they do fail you in these classes mm-hmm. um and when she says audition with groundlings you have to go and audition to either be in their further uh, like year one class or their like pre one class like <laughs> you've never touched any kind of improv in your life you've just heard about the word and you haven't done any of it that's mm-hmm. where you would go in that sense but that's how they break you apart and figure out what, where you need to start. So just to clarify that. Um, yeah. So kind of where did you go after that? Um, I left the school. Mm-hmm. I decided, you know, it's okay. I told the teacher, I was like, listen, it's like, it's fine. It's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I went over to UCB, mm-hmm. got in there, um, did two level one and two, and it got really intense, but I felt like I had what I needed mm-hmm. from there. And I was like, if I want to like actually get into writing, if I want to like actually get into a troop, sure, I'll go further on. But I have a good sense of it mm-hmm. and enough that I, what I want out of it, which is to apply mm-hmm. to my auditions, to working on set, all this stuff. I got what I needed, so mm-hmm. I didn't move on. From what I've heard and what I've seen, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, the Groundlings is definitely more of the long-form sketch type improv in a lot of ways, uh, whereas UCB, I think, does a lot more short-form, um, gimmicky type things. I, from Just from seeing some of their websites, seeing some of their shows, and reading a little bit about each one, um, would you say that's right, or am, am, have I heard wrong? Um, I think both can do either. Both schools mm-hmm. can push you either direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually saw a really awesome show at UCB that was long-form. It oh. was an hour. 
Um, on 4th of July, they mm-hmm. had a buffet set up on stage. It was a backyard barbecue. They all had these characters that they kind of figured out. They had a, like, I think I'll start here and this mm-hmm. kind of characteristic and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they created this whole world and they actually kind of like talked with the audience once in a while. Mm-hmm. But it was like watching a full on play right. that they were making up on the spot. Right, right, right. It was really amazing. But there's definitely like the Herald format in mm-hmm. UCB. Which can be a bit challenging. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I see how you know they can each have their own specific style, but mm-hmm. I, they can also go both ways. Go both. I got yeah. you. Okay. Okay. Um, now we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. It's kind of a running theme. Uh, LA can it can be a hard place to live, mm-hmm. um, especially wanting to have some kind of career in acting or a creative field it can be very uh, difficult and at times. Um, uh, uh, feel like you are no not getting anywhere that you're stalling and that you're just kind of like what's what's the point? Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, um, how do you get through those times where you feel down or where you feel like oh god is is this worth it or should I just really find something else? Like how do you get over that hump? Um, I I go to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm really really down and like in a weird funk, I'll like talk with my friends and talk it out and like get some advice. But usually it's just a matter of knowing that it's a long haul. It's a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my research. I see that it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Mm-hmm. Um, just like it takes 10 years to get your doctorate and be legit. Like, mm-hmm. you got to go through the years. you got to go through the training. Mm-hmm. And part of the training of being a successful actor mm-hmm. in Los Angeles is going through all that time. Yeah. And learning it actually in the field and making your mistakes in the field. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I just, whenever I get like, oh, I, I really wanted that part. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it wasn't meant to be that I was supposed to get that. You know, who knows whatever else will come along. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just keep myself focused on all these other things that I've created for myself. Mm-hmm. So I have some kind of creative outlet mm-hmm. and just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important for actors um, or whoever you are in any creative field to have another creative outlet that's within your control. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear a lot of like teachers like make your own work, do your own thing, make your own stuff, and I just was like, Wah. like I hear that so much. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I get what they're going at there. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just a matter of keeping yourself fresh. You don't need to be in a class. You can, right? Um, but you don't need to be in class. You just need to be constantly in that creative field, and also in a place where you're not in a place of want. Um, I see this a lot. People are like, pick me, pick me, pick me. I really need this. I need this. Um, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, the day after I found out the law of attraction, I won the biggest prize on Let's Make a Deal. <laughs> um, and that's a whole thing. But like, it's just like when you're in a state of gratitude for what you have and just keeping your eyes open and moving forward and staying busy with a bunch of um, other creative things like Mm -hmm. it just it all kind of lines up it's not such a big deal when you don't get that thing right you put your time into it you focus on getting through that audition and Mm -hmm. doing your best and then you just kind of leave it because that's all you can do right yeah i've seen the other side i understand what happens um Mm -hmm. i think that's also really important to get on the other side of the camera in Mm -hmm. some way Mm -hmm. be a reader be something so you understand that it's not about you majority of the time Mm mm-hmm they bring you in because they think you can do it. Mm-hmm. But somebody else along the line says, I want something different mm-hmm. or 
what have you. It's usually yeah. outside of your control. Her smile's weird. Leave. I don't like it. Yeah, and yeah. what do you do about your freaking smile? Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can do. Smile differently. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you look awkward. <laughs> we are making this awkward. Um, I, no, that's some great advice. That's that's. I think that's really important to remember, uh, especially like the you know the want and 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 making sure that you it'll come when it comes. It'll happen when it happens. Just be out there and be available to it. You know, mm-hmm. to take it. Uh, what what did you what did you win on? Let's let's make a deal. Um, so I dressed up like a jellyfish. Of course. Um, I whipped it together from a bunch of um, <laughs> random things that were from CBS. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, this is what I have. Like, I literally got the notification when I got out of this class mm-hmm. that I audited where I learned about the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a cool class, but I'm just going to go read the book. <laughs> um, and so I whipped together this costume, went on. I was the first person picked. Mm-hmm. And I went down, and I was like, no, I want what's behind the T-shirt. What's behind the T-shirt? T-shirt, T-shirt, mm-hmm. T-shirt. And he gave all these prizes out to other people. Mm-hmm. And then he revealed that a car was what I had won on the t-shirt. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, this is amazing. At the end of the show, they have this thing where they, um, Patrick goes around and he's like, hey, would you like to give up what you won to go for the big deal of the day? Mm-hmm. And um, he was, Wayne was so funny. He's like, Patrick, you go up there. I'm not even going to walk up there. I know what she's going to say. Um, Allie, you won the most, the highest mm-hmm. amount today, so... Would you like to give up your car for a chance to win the big deal of the day? And I said, yes. <laughs> and they all went, what? <laughs> and so I cut to commercial, bring me down. The producer's like, okay, Ali, I don't, I don't know what's going through your mind right now. Um, I'm sure there's a good reason. Um, it's totally fine. Should we call somebody? Um, <laughs> and he's like, what, when we get rolling again, um, Wayne's going to ask you and just tell him. Just tell them why you just did what you just did. I'm like, okay. Um, so they start rolling again. And make it juicy. I know, right? And they start rolling again. And Wayne's like, you know, Allie, you just did something a lot of people wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. You gave up your car for a chance to win the big deal of the day. Why? Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, my mom just adopted two little kids. She works really hard. She's a teacher. And um, I really think she deserves a vacation. Mm-hmm. And the whole audience just went, Oh. <laughs> and the producer went, yes. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. My plan is coming together perfectly. So I'm just like living on this high of just gratitude and like the world mm-hmm. is my oyster. I have the law of attraction in my back pocket. And I'm just like, I love Wayne Brady. I grew up watching him. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, okay, we got three curtains. You know, which one? At this point, I don't trust the audience at all. I tried to like do the whole "What does the audience say?" <laughs> thing earlier, and it, it was like no. Right, right, of course. And the so, audience is always wrong. Yeah. So I look and I go one, two, uh, one. I didn't even look at three. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's one. And they said, really? You're not even gonna like think about this. You're mm-hmm. not gonna ask the audience. I said, no, it's number one. And he said, okay. Well, let's see what's behind curtain number three. He revealed three. It was like a gem set. He opened up two, and it was a vault. And I just had this this grin on my face that and they end up cutting the next interaction mm-hmm. I had with him and um, he said so Allie what do you think is the big deal of the day in that vault no. and I look at him I said I highly doubt that Wayne <laughs> <laughs> and he just laughs and it's just me just turning back to the camera as they open the vault mm-hmm. and it was like for two grand and I just like oh my gosh I actually did it so they open up the curtain mm-hmm. It's a trip to Chicago, which me and my mom have been before, and we love it. Nice. 
and it's a car. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> so you won two cars, one. technically, but you gave yeah. up one. But you kind of won two cars. I did. Wow. I did. So I wow. sold the car. I would get, like, the toothbrush set. If I <laughs> that, that would be my luck. That's what I would win. Yeah, and that was... Um, I was in my first month in L.A. Oh, wow. Um, and then that December, I booked my first national commercial. Nice. Um, and it all just just was rolling. That's just fantastic. Just rolling right away. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, so uh, you ta- let's go through some of the stuff you've done. Uh-huh. Um, so you were in uh, a few films, Disaster L.A., The Zombie Apocalypse Begins Here. Yes. The last zombie apocalypse yes. begins here. So, okay, so question about that. Just the title. The last zombie apocalypse. Isn't the zombie apocalypse the end? Like, how is was there another zombie <laughs> really apocalypse before this one? <laughs> like, we had one, but we got through it, guys. We made it through. Uh, but now it's the last one. Thank God. <laughs> it's over. Woo! Um, I'm just, I'm just, sorry, that just kind of popped in my head that this is apparently the last one, which means there's been others beforehand. Um, so what's the story behind that? How did you get that? How did you book that? Uh, what was it like filming it? Um, I booked that through L.A. Casting. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that was, I, yeah, I did audition for that up at Space Station. And I remember going in and they gave me this scene where um, my friend is like dying in front of me. And I'm like, well, welcome to LA. Here we go. And I was like, I'm stealing some crap with all my friends. And then you want a car. <laughs> and um, so I just poured out my heart to this imaginary person on the ground. And um, won over the director and got cast in the part. And um, I think I filmed only over two days. And it was super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the the films, you know, as you can tell by the title, it's not like a A-level big Hollywood blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I heard Daniel it, Day-Lewis was up for one of the zombies. Is that <laughs> is that correct? So correct. <laughs> he lived as a zombie for three months, I heard, before he took the role. Oh, my gosh, he would. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I got that off of L.A. Casting, and it turned out to be really amazing mm-hmm. and super fun. And I did a whole action thing, and I died and came back to life. And I was the first one to turn and um, had all this prosthetics that I mm-hmm. got to do and makeup. And then it ended up getting picked up by Sci-Fi Channel and Redbox. And oh, it nice. was so surreal. That's awesome. To go to the grocery store and be like, ah, that's me. That's me in the back. And like, <laughs> if only I got the front cover. I'm on the back cover. No, so close. Now, is that like, when it became Disaster LA? Was when it went to Sci-Fi and stuff? Was it, was it shortened there? Or is it yeah. still Disaster LA, the quote-unquote last? Because <laughs> I'm sure there'll be another one. I think the full title is still Disaster LA, <laughs> The Last Zombie Apocalypse Begins Here. <laughs> Um, it was supposed to be Apocalypse LA, and then I was um, checking on IMDb, and mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, director, did you know there's already an Apocalypse LA out there? And he's like, oh, no. And so he changed the title. <laughs> he changed the title. I really hope that's how he talks about everything. <laughs> so, Allie, I need you to move over here. Oh, there's a table there. Oh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> the character from Family. Yeah, it's a, oh, oh, no. Nah, it's Cleveland. It's, yeah. it's Cleveland directing a film. Oh, no. <laughs> What are we gonna do about Peter? <laughs> <laughs> that so that's now the other one that I mentioned earlier. 
you said you, you found on Craigslist, uh, Lost in Darkness, correct? Um, actually, that oh, one no, I got off LA Casting. Gotcha. Um, Batman Death Wish. Batman Death Wish. I that got is off correct. Um, so, so you were in this fan film, Batman Death Wish. Uh-huh. Uh huh. How? What was the process? Just to get another side of it, where it's the Craigslist uh, <laughs> version um, uh, of things. I've got, I've gotten roles off Craigslist. There mm-hmm. there are gyms. Hidden between in the rough. between the people asking you to do free stuff all over the place, uh, but uh, how did that? What what was that like in all that process? I was staying in my friend's spare bedroom mm-hmm. and searching through Craigslist, searching through LA Casting, mm-hmm. and I came across this. We're looking for a a poison ivy mm-hmm. for our our film, and I was like, oh, okay. So I submitted. And sent in my pictures, and they, like, contacted me right away. Mm. And they're like, hey, um, we know it's kind of cold, but can you just do a call with us, like a video call, and read this and mm-hmm. see what you can do? And I'm like, okay. So I did it, and they booked me. Was they it, booked me right then. No, no, was it like you click, and then ding, email. <laughs> like, Pretty send, much. ding. Pretty much. It was almost, it all happened within like two hours. Oh, wow. Um, and so I um, I went the next, I think it was like the next night, mm-hmm. I went out to this random warehouse in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this might be bad. Like, it might, I might be in trouble. I was like, good thing I met these guys on um, on video chat before I, I good went. thing I met these guys on Craigslist because I wouldn't trust them if I did yeah <laughs> and so um the the film was super fun um it's gotten lots of hits and is this kind of like this weird YouTube cult thing that a lot of random people that I meet like yeah I've seen that I know you from that and like our producer wow. Michael mentioned it before we started recording so yeah obviously there's people out there I think everyone at some point wants to make some type of fan film project mm. when they're down here in LA and mm. I definitely watched Batman Death Wish looking <laughs> for inspiration at one point. Nice. Nice. Uh, so um all right, so let me ask you this. Uh you you've done some T V, uh some kind of like reality reenactment shows, things like that. Um I really want to talk to you about Cry Wolf. <laughs> okay. Because I've seen this show. Yes. I've seen several episodes. And it is amazing. This guy is the most unnecessarily intense person <laughs> ever. I'm talking like he would freak out someone ordering food at McDonald's because mm-hmm. he is so overly intense about the smallest things. And my wife and I make fun of it all the time. It's so just, TV. Just because it, it is so like we have to take something that's pretty probably simple and make it seem so dramatic. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and we saw the, the first episode we saw was this episode where this girl somebody was stealing from an office oh, wow. and and the boss hired the the guy uh, the, to this pro, cry, the wolf to find out who was stealing from the office and he thought he, he knew it was he even pointed out to somebody mm-hmm. and all this stuff and so that he follows him at one point and this is the part this is where we fell in love with the show he follows her home and she pulls out like boxes and boxes of newspaper or not newspaper of paper like reams and reams of paper and just and she opens her garage and she has stacks of these boxes of paper in her garage and he's like we got her like oh and he's like boston he has like a thick mm-hmm. boston accent and so he goes he goes and like that's it that's the episode like you 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 crack the case man it's done and he goes to the boss and it's only at like there's still another 30 minutes left in the show. <laughs> and so he goes to the guy. He's like, so I got this recording of her taking boxes out of a car, putting them into a garage. Uh, I, you know, we, we nailed her. We got her. And the boss is like, great. 
thank you so much. Um, how much do we owe you? You know, I'm definitely gonna fire her. He's like, no, this case isn't over yet. I feel like there's something deeper going on. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How do you feel? He's like, that's just circumstantial evidence. We need hard hitting evidence. Like, you have video proof of her stealing stuff. How is that circumstantial evidence? That's literally evidence, <laughs> and he's so intense. And so we, since then, we always joke like we always like my my wife would all say something. And I'll be like, I have two rules, Angie: no circumstantial evidence and no hoagies after Labor Day. <laughs> like just something really random, because he comes up with these most random things, and he gets so like hyped up. What was that experience like on that show, dealing with <laughs> that unnecessary <laughs> intensity? Um. I I was fine. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we were... I would love to be on it. Don't get me yeah. wrong. If I got a chance to be on Cry Wolf, I would <laughs> take it at a moment. And I'm still doing the Boston accent a little bit. I can't get out of it. Yeah, um, he was great to work with. Um, and it was a fun couple days on set. And I think we were all kind of like at that like same level of like directing, like mm-hmm. the intensity. Mm-hmm. So we're all just like, oh, just like, oh my god, she's cheating on me. Just like it was just so just like. So pushy, like more and more. I'm like, okay. I feel like, like that's how your Anastasia you. role went. <laughs> I'm Anastasia. <laughs> Don't take my family. Um, what? No. What was the story in the episode you were in? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. She's taking a drink of water for those exciting to hear. <laughs> so, um, my. Let's see, my episode on Cry Wolf, we had, let's see, it was, I was the girlfriend of this girl who was cheating on me, and, or at least I thought she was cheating on me, turns out she had returned to being an alcoholic, and she was, like, spending all this time going to, like, this, like, club and, like, hanging out with other women and drinking and all this stuff, so, um, that was my episode, was I knew she was doing something with her time that she wasn't telling me about, and yeah, it was it was actually pretty intense. I feel like I either saw that episode or saw like the trailer for that episode because it sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I I do kind of remember, what was uh, did you get to work with him? On yeah. The show? What so what was like what was he like? Was he nice? Was he fun to work with? Was he uh, did he keep to himself? Like what was um, he like? He's a pretty social guy, mm-hmm. and um, he definitely liked to just like keep pushing and pushing and pushing the scene. Mm-hmm. So um, he liked to. I remember him directing me a little bit at one point, which I thought was really funny. But it's also retellings of his stories. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll take it, sure. Right. And he's like, yeah, she was really pissed off, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, okay, sure. And like, now, Ali, at this point, I want you to take. I just want to southern. <laughs> what? <laughs> like I get my Boston accent back. Uh, never mind. Continue. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was so long ago. I'm trying to remember like all the details. He was just. Yeah, the whole crew was really nice. It was just a, it was a fun, fun time. Yeah, nice. it didn't seem that crazy over the top, but I knew it was also reality TV reenactment right. kind of. Right. So it's a little pushed. Right. Now you also did Tattoo Nightmares. Um, uh, speaking of push reality. Push reality. Uh, what was the part that you played? What was that like? How how did that differ from Cry Wolf since they're both kind of reenactments? Um, well, the similarity is that I played another lesbian, um, which was really interesting. I'm like, okay, I think it's Let's just... Let's talk about typecasting. Um, yeah, it was a redhead at the time, and um, I think it just, like, I was okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. I did a music video, too, where they're like, 
who's like comfortable like they in the casting like who's comfortable making out with a like girl like let us know and i think i saw you that new re- i think i saw that new reel yeah because it's super provocative and a lot of people don't want to do it mm-hmm. and she's a horrible kisser but anyways um so yeah we'll i just get that later <laughs> yeah i just didn't really like care i was like it's just two people mm-hmm. like whatever um and so i on tattoo nightmares um i remember the audition going in and just like being like just splotted up like i just like i watched the show i'm like mm-hmm. i know what they're going for mm-hmm. okay and so um my character was this girl who worked at a restaurant waitress who meets this other really nice girl mm-hmm. and um they they hit it off and they become girlfriends and um my girlfriend gets really sad at one point misses home she's from salt lake city utah and so she's a painter um and she paints this picture of like the skyline and she's like i'm gonna put this as a tattoo so she goes to get a tattoo and the person messes up and it's supposed to be the initials salt s lake l um city utah so s l c u t they forget the c so it's s l u t um so she gets this tattooed on her like forearm um and there's this whole side story that I'm, like, cheating on her and all this stuff. And because she, of the tattoo? No. The whole, whole other thing. So she comes back um, home after getting the tattoo and finds me with another girl. And it's just, like, the worst day ever. And then she's like, you slut. And she points at her tattoo. It's hilarious. Super fun. Now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if that actress was the person I met the other day. I don't think so. Um, like, we would have said something if it was. Mm-hmm. Um I met the voice actress for Snow White. Oh, nice. Like, the fourth Snow White. But still, the that's, girl who does all yeah. the Snow White stuff right now. That's like, awesome. Like, hi. <laughs> like, that's so you. cool. Like, yeah. I love you. Um, so, uh, you also have your YouTube show, mm-hmm. um, the Drunken Cosplayers Unboxing Show. Uh, where did the, How did that come about? What, what was the, you know, how did you get started? How, what, who are you having on? Uh, just kind of give us a little overview of it. Sure. Um, I was inspired by my friends um, Chelsea and James, who do the Drunk Disney Show. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you've seen that. I have not. It's hilarious. They come up with a drinking game, and um, they have a counter um, in the corner that's like the Cinderella Castle, mm. and it like counts how many drinks they take. Mm-hmm. And they have a special drink that coordinates with the movie that they're watching. And they'll go through, and they I think they've almost watched all the Disney movies oh, at this wow. point. So they do they one gonna, a month. What are, what are they going to do when they finish them? I mean, Marvel I, movie I, I drinking don't know. game. I'm not sure. They're going back and doing like some really weird ones. They'll go through like Golden Age, you know, Renaissance. Mm-hmm. They'll go through ages. Um, so I was really inspired by them because it's just a, just a fun fun idea right. for a show. I'm like, yeah. So um, I really wanted to do a show with drinking because it's fun and it's hilarious to watch people get drunk in a safe way, mm-hmm. and um, also like an interview way because i really have all these amazing people in the cosplay world that i know mm-hmm. and that i really wanted to like get exposure for and talk to them more about their process mm-hmm. and um their stories and so i won best in show at la cosplay con for my um my nuka girl cosplay mm-hmm. and from that i used my certificate for like something free from loot crate to get the loo for her. Oh, nice. So um, I was like, all right, I'm going to focus on female cosplayers and getting them um, some kind of, like, attention and interviewing them. And so I started contacting my friends, and I was like, hey, 
you want to be on my show, let's come over and let's have some drinks and um, do an, an interview. Mm-hmm. And to start out being like structured <laughs> and like, we're going to take a shot when we do this or we're going to make up a game or I'm going to keep track. Mm-hmm. After like, by the time of the third episode, I was like, screw any structure like we Mm. were literally just like yeah that's great let's drink (laughs) and so yeah that's what the show ended up becoming was Mm -hmm. just two people just sitting there in costume Mm -hmm. talking me talking to them Mm -hmm. and um trying to interview them about their their whole cosplay journey right and are you actually drunk um yeah the let's see the one i got the most drunk Mm -hmm. on was um, the most recent one, the mm-hmm. Cinderella and Elsa one. Oh, okay. Um, because my friend Angie Viper mm-hmm. loves to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And we would go through like 15-minute stories. <laughs> um, and so I was just sitting there listening mm-hmm. and drinking. Ah. I went through a, almost a whole bottle of wine <laughs> in like, I want to say like an hour. And so... By the end, Cinderella's really drunk and losing stuff, and I'm knocking things over, and it's just so hilarious because I'm like, yeah, Cinderella was drunk at the ball that night. Um, That's how she lost the glass slipper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that yeah that, that one I was, I was gone. Nice. So definitely go check out the Drunken Cosplayer box unboxing show on YouTube. Um, so let's move on to cosplay. So speaking of cosplay, mm-hmm. um, how did you get started in costuming and, and, and cosplaying? My friend dragged me along to my first convention. We were both dressed up and supposed to be going to a um, a volunteer event. I do volunteer events on occasion with Cause for Celebration, which is an organization nonprofit that um, brings birthday parties to kids who are in shelters mm-hmm. or um, kids in foster care. Mm-hmm. And since my mom has fostered a lot, and I've in return helped with that process, I'm like, it's close to my heart. I want to give back. So um, we were bringing a birthday party, an Anna and Elsa birthday party, to um, this, this set of triplets, these mm-hmm. little girls who were homeless. Aww. And they were so sweet. Um, it was just them and their family. It was just a small group. Oh, that's awesome. So we were already dressed up. And she was like, hey, there's a convention going down at Long Beach. I said, oh, okay, we should go. We're dressed up. And I said, I don't think that's for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really know much about that world. It's a little weird. Like, I don't right. know if I'll, like, fit in. She's like, we're going to go. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm like, I'll, I'll go if you're going, sure. Mm-hmm. So show up. It's the last day of Long Beach Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the end of, like, Sunday. We just kind of, like, get to sneak in because mm-hmm. nobody's at the door at Nobody that point. cares, yeah. Yeah, nobody cares. And we start walking around. Everybody is so excited to see us. <laughs> and I'm just like, What? Okay, and this was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so back when Frozen was pretty current. Mm-hmm. And um, I got like free art. I got so many really happy kids. Um, like met some really amazing cosplayers, including ones like, I'll get you in a WonderCon for free, no problem. Oh, wow. I'm like, what? It was like immediately the world was like, hi, we've been waiting <laughs> for you. I'm like, okay, sure. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that was my first con um the first one i attended by choice was WonderCon, mm-hmm. and i consider that my conniversary your conniversary okay nice uh so obviously you had some really good reactions uh the, from the first just the first time um how have the reactions changed or grown especially since you started doing your own costumes and nuka girl and things like that how how has that fan base changed and that interaction changed 
Um, I'd have to say it's pretty much the same. I've been very fortunate that um, I have a very supportive and loving fan base. Um, I hear a lot of people were like, I get these trolls all the time. And I'm like, I just don't. Mm-hmm. I think it's also because I don't like accept random hi messages mm-hmm. on my Instagram and mm-hmm. things like that where you'll get really unsolicited things. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I... And anybody who just says anything bad, I'm just like, bye. Right. Like, I don't need you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's like, yeah, I've just had really, really sweet support of fan base, and they love to share. Mm-hmm. And um, they, yeah, they, they're they going on 14,000 now. Wow. What does yeah. what does cosplaying do for you? Like, what is it, for, how does it affect you as a, as a person and as, as a, a performer? Um, wow. Huh. Um, it pushes me, mm-hmm. I have to say. It pushes me to try new things because if you don't continue to create new content, mm-hmm. people will just be like, I'll go find someone else. No. And um, so, yeah, it's constantly like, okay, what can I try that's new and interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, what can I do to create this fun new cosplay that's really current or classic? Mm-hmm. And this new technique, um, I, I consider, you asked about video games before we started, I consider social media like my video game. Mm. Okay. Um, it's constantly because I'm very business minded. Right. It's um, it's a constant game of trying to figure out like marketing mm-hmm. and how to make yourself fresh and how you make yourself appealing and approachable and um, all that jazz. So that is like that is my thing. So it's made me like very much a social media person, which mm-hmm. I didn't expect. Um, there was a time when I remember being very like against having even a smartphone. Right. Um, so now I'm like on it all the time and my thumbs hurt. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's become this whole. It's kind of part of who you are now whole, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah, exciting. It has. It's just kind of opened up this new right. thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's such a different way. It's such a new way for people to interact with mm-hmm. fans and, uh, and communities that you, you love that have the same interest from all over the world. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, it broadens your exposure than what you used to be able to do a long time ago. Um, and speaking of social media, you have a, a strong following on Instagram. Yeah. Um, you have your YouTube show. Um, how did you, for those you know looking to build their Instagram and, and become Insta-famous or whatever <laughs> you want to call it nowadays, um, what are your, what's your tip? What did you do? How did you, what process did you go to kind of build that, that fan base on Instagram? Um, I have actually a whole list, and if anybody's ever curious, um, I can just copy and paste it. Since oh. you just direct messaged me, um, you want that list? Okay, yeah, sure. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah, all right, cool. Um, a consistency mm-hmm. um, is a big thing. So there's special times that you post. I think it's like 11 and 2 are the big times. Um, that's pretty consistent. Um, also, like, really specifying what your brand is mm-hmm. so in my bio i have that um i think it's like fun hair cosplay inspiration and cats and it's like and i'm also a actress and business owner mm-hmm. like and it says actress model business owner so mm-hmm. it's like here's what you're gonna get when you sign up for right. this cats um, fun hair cats <laughs> with fun hair hopefully <laughs> Yeah, I actually, oh, I still want to do a photo shoot with Cosplay Cat up in, uh, <laughs> up in Seattle someday, someday. <laughs> One day. Your One dreams day. Will, your yes. dreams will come true. I'll make it happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just being very consistent with it, having a special, like, brand. And um, I really like to do a lot of engagement mm-hmm. with my audience. So I'll ask questions 
I'll tell stories. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't expect them to open up and cling on if I don't do the same. Right. So, um, I try and actually, like, respond to the messages that I get that are legit messages. Mm-hmm. And um, have, like, relationships with these people. Right. Otherwise, they're just going to disappear. Like, mm-hmm. they're not going to be consistent. They're not going to share with their friends. Right. Um, yeah, but there's a there's a bunch of other stuff out there. Like, right. I could... I think those are the big things. I think the biggest thing, one of the biggest things you said is consistency. Um, A lot of people will start something and like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a Twitter handle that's Santa Claus acting like Superman, but he's actually Batman. And I'm going to tweet like that person. And it's going to be called Santa Claus Twitter, Batman, Superman. And and they'll do this thing where like, it's going to be hilarious. And you go back, like if you went back like three years later, they've had like four tweets (laughs) and then it just died. Like there's nothing Mm -hmm. else. You know, I, I think that's a huge thing is just stay, sticking to it and just cont- don't, you know, you're not going to get 13,000 followers or 15,000 followers mm-hmm. overnight. It takes yeah. time. It takes building. It takes interacting and making yeah. sure you have time to interact with people, have conversations with people as much as possible, do the live videos, which is big now. Because um, then if you build that interaction, the live videos become more important because yeah. there's going to be people that actually want to talk to you and see you and hear what you're doing for that day. Um, so I definitely think, yeah, consistency, I definitely agree, is definitely, I think, number one, for sure. Yeah, um, and the sharing element, too. Yes. Um, just no, go ahead. sparking. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of, like, pages out there that want to share your content, mm-hmm. but they don't know until you knock on their door and let you let them know that you're there. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a list on my phone mm-hmm. of, like, ones for hair stuff, one for cosplay, one for cat stuff, mm-hmm. uh, one for inspirational kind of thing, and I'll mm-hmm. go through and I'll tag, I'll rotate, mm-hmm. and I'll tag an occasional even direct message, be like, I just posted this cool thing. Right. Can you share it for me, please? And um, I work with a lot of photographers, too. Mm-hmm. And I'll tag them in my stuff. They'll tag me in their stuff. Right. I'll post, you know, Male Crush Monday, Mermaid Monday, Woman Crush Wednesday, um, Friendship Friday, <laughs> Follow Friday. You know, there's all these things where you can, like, if you throw it out there to, like, mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. and share about your friends that you're excited about and working with, mm-hmm. they'll do it in return for you. Right. And just even tagging them and your stuff will show up in their tags mm-hmm. and you'll maybe get some of their followers right. and like yeah that's that's a big thing i want to create my own day themes but they're not going to be exciting like table tuesday <laughs> windshield wiper wednesday <laughs> that's a triple w <laughs> yeah it's a tri- yeah windshield wiper wednesday uh, uh fresh scent friday <laughs> it's just a lysol bottle a uh, nice picture of a lysol bottle i think that you know Catterday. why not oh cat Ooh, i, I like Catterday. Catterday. a nice one i like that i like mm-hmm. that what would sunday be Bunday. Selfie Sunday. Ooh, Selfie Sunday. Yeah. I think Bunday, Cinnabons. Hump Day. Ooh, Wednesday, Hump Day. Sunday. It's where you show humps. Mm-hmm. You're, I had two, two you're, you're hump lovely lady humps this, uh, this week. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. How, uh, now, my last question was social media. How do you think social media has changed cosplay? And has it helped or has it hurt cosplay? I think it's only helped. I mean, somebody the other day was asking me, like, why is this a thing now? <laughs> like, where did this come from? And I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know, but it's great. Like, it used to be like, oh, you're that weird person who dresses up and goes to San Diego. Um, and now it's like, oh, my God, what are you making? This is so amazing. Right. People are excited about mm-hmm. it. And I, I love it. And I think um, the social media has provided a platform for anything mm-hmm. that you want to talk about. Right. And um, for some reason, cosplay is a big part of that. It's become very mainstream in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so you also, as I mentioned at the beginning, you're also, and you mentioned you're a business owner. Yes. You own a princess party company called Princess and Me. Yes. Right? Um, so how did that get started? I'm asking that question a lot. How did that get started? But you do so much. I have to ask <laughs> how did How did that come about? Um, I actually worked in Orlando and in An- An- Anaheim also mm-hmm. for um, Disney mm-hmm. for a total of like three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a point where I actually got fired. Um, yeah. Um, they just, they just were booking me out or they were like scheduling me outside of my availability. They're doing uh, it for everybody. They're going through some growing pains mm-hmm. and I didn't last. <laughs> so right. I was like, it's okay. Like I, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm going to go find my own way. I've been doing this for a while. Right. Like you obviously don't want to give me more opportunities. I'll go make them for myself. Right. So I ended up working for, um, a couple other companies in town and there was a point where I was working for one of the largest companies in town. They'd been around eight years mm-hmm. at the time. And um, I worked there for like a month. And a month in, I was creating basically a union. Um, <laughs> and I was... A princess union? Yeah, nice. with all the performers. I um, A lot of them were complaining to me. And I was just a pair of ears. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, fly on the wall. Like, I'm, I'm hearing all the same stuff. Like, mm-hmm. well, why is no one doing anything about it? And they're like, oh, I don't want to get fired. I don't want to lose my job. And it's like, so what if you do? But what if you you make it better? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you try? Mm-hmm. And so I was the only one who was like, I'll go try. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote up a contract um, of a bunch of amendments to our current contract. Mm-hmm. I got the girls together, got everybody to sign it, and proposed it and sat down and talked with the owner. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, he had a bunch of excuses and everything, and it was, you know, it was what it was. Um, but I ended up leaving the company mm-hmm. after they wanted to not pay me for a mileage fee and were, like, taking that away from people and, like, not paying them. It wasn't getting better. Right. And, like, I tried my part, and I'm like, ugh. Um, and he was coming to me for advice and stuff after, like, uh, like a couple mm-hmm. of weeks in, and I'm just like, this, this is all telling me something different. Right. And it's like, I, I think I can do this on my own. Right. So um, <laughs> I, I hope he hears this. Um, <laughs> there was a moment um, when he was coming to me advice, coming to me for advice, and um, they were you know, going through all this, this change and they were trying all these things, and I wasn't agreeing with it. And um, they, they didn't care what we did at parties they didn't train us mm-hmm. they kind of gave us a bunch of ideas right um but they're like you're independent contractors you can do whatever you want right i said really okay so i started using his company as testing ground for my company oh nice um i was like i have the the clientele i'm not gonna steal his clients mm-hmm. that's not fair but i'm gonna go in and be like all right i'm gonna do my job i'm gonna like provide entertainment right but i'm gonna see like does this vocabulary work? Right. Um, do these games work for this age group right. or that age group? Um, is this material reusable and financially like doable? doable? Yeah. So um, I tested a bunch of stuff and was able to see their reactions. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. So um, after a while, I, I left the company. After, I think it was only like two months. And um, I, I left because my friend asked me if I could entertain at his niece's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, do I have to go through the company you work for? Or can I just book you directly? And it was literally just his words of, can I book you directly? Mm-hmm. 
that sparked this whole thing. That mm-hmm. was literally just my my invitation to this opportunity. Right. And I'm like, you can book me directly. Yeah, yes. Of course you can. Yes. And so I created a company overnight. Mm. Mm. I built a website. It was not that great at the time, but it was a starting point. Right. No, absolutely. Um, I got a phone number. I got an email. Um, mm. I built two costumes mm-hmm. and I started. And it was nothing crazy busy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did it. I put the time in and I did it. Mm-hmm. And it just slowly started to build and coming up on three years. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing about six to ten parties a week, mm-hmm. which now, is great. Now, did it start here in California or did it start in Florida? It started here. It started here, okay. Yeah, okay. it started here. So it was just like a long journey of different experiences and mm-hmm. opportunities that just like kind of just roll with it. Like, yeah, I got fired from this. Yeah, I left this. But it's it's not the end of the world it's just a way of the universe being like you know that's not what you're supposed to do right now right and just push you towards something else and i'm really grateful that i had all those experiences even the ones that i'm just like that was horrible right um it was like that's not what i want right it was good for clarifying that um so yeah my business is like booming i'm i'm my dream is that i can just like step away have a full-time receptionist She's currently part time. Mm-hmm. Gives me two days off a week. It's great, um, and nice. eventually not have to perform either. Right. And now I'm performing. I want to say about thirty percent of the parties, mm-hmm. and I'm working three days a week, mm-hmm. um, which is which is great. That's awesome. It's great. It allows me a lot of flexibility. And when mm-hmm. I do need to take time off, like when I did this past um, winter, and I traveled the world for two months, mm-hmm. I could do it. I had a cast that I could trust on. To right. like do their job and keep up with everything and right. and just yeah I That's just fantastic. very fortunate. Um, now, as a female uh, business owner, do you get a lot of pushback or anything like that for being a female business owner, or do you, is there more support? Or is it pretty much even filled? Um, well, considering I'm I'm usually talking with female parents, mm-hmm. um, I I don't receive any pushback. Right. I mean, I could even sound pretty young on the phone, but nobody has questioned. Right. They've all just kind of gone with it, which I think is just miraculous mm-hmm. that a parent would call up somebody to play with their child that they've never met before. <laughs> so as as a business owner of this profession, I try and really like sell myself mm-hmm. and legitimize myself. Um, we've been in parents and parenting and family circle, um, have like 155 star reviews from Yelp That's and awesome. um, Facebook. And I found ways to get that stuff because yeah. um, it doesn't just come i made a um a made a referral program mm-hmm. and i did follow-up emails to try and get those reviews mm-hmm. and um but i also made sure we did a good job so people wanted to share right. and um had a bunch of different tactics to just kind of just make it legit and now right. i'm like my voicemail for the phone for mm-hmm. my phone um my business line is something along the lines of, hello, thank you for calling Princess and Me Parties, mm-hmm. rated number one by Yelp and Google time and again, mm-hmm. as seen on family and parents and circle. It's just like, kind of, it's just like, right. you know, this is who you call. Just marketing. Yeah. You're yeah. Know. yeah. It's like, you're not just calling some, some girl who just is in high school and thinks this is fun. Mm-hmm. This is a business and mm-hmm. we are legit. You right. want us at your birthday. Right. No, absolutely. Um, now, you, you offer several things. You offer a, a, a princess party package mm-hmm. uh, where you can do face painting and, and games yeah. and a story time. And you enter with whimsical, fun music. Yeah. Um, you offer a superheroes package where you come in with more exciting music, mm-hmm. uh, more some still face painting. You teach them uh, 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 superhero fighting, quote unquote. But you mm-hmm. also teach them about... Uh, uh, 
when when how to be, how to bring peace and, and working together mm-hmm. and 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 uh, you know how fighting is not the answer. Um, again, you also do again, like I think I mentioned you face painting and things like you do an obstacle course, I believe, yes. a superhero obstacle course. You then you do a dance party as well, mm-hmm. um, and then you also have a summer camp that you yes. that you do. Tell me a little bit about the summer camp. Um, the summer camp started um, last year was our first year, which mm-hmm. I didn't tell any of the parents that. Um, but you know, who needs to know? Yeah, you know, who needs to know? <laughs> now they know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was our first year last year. We had two camps. Um, yeah, two camps last mm-hmm. year, and it was inspired by another company who um, they do princess parties, and they're very faith and dance based. Mm-hmm. So they have a camp where they teach the kids dance for the whole week, mm-hmm. and then the last day. Um, they do a presentation and the princess comes uh-huh. and is a guest with the parents mm-hmm. to watch the show. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, that's really cool. I like that idea. That's not what I want, mm-hmm. but that's a good start. Mm-hmm. And I researched it some more. Couldn't find anything like what I wanted to offer. Mm-hmm. So um, the standard camp is five days. Mm-hmm. Each day is a different princess and a different theme. Mm-hmm. So um, like Cinderella will, um, will make a snack using different pieces of fruits and vegetables to look like a, a pumpkin carriage. Mm-hmm. It'd be really cute. And we'll focus on um, dreams and believing in yourself, and we'll have stories that go with that. Mm-hmm. And it's three hours. Um, the first two hours are just with the two counselors and up to, like, 10, 15 kids, um, mm-hmm. usually, like, three- to four-year-olds. And then the last hour, the um, princess arrives, mm-hmm. and she does story and singing and helps with crafts and things. So... Yeah, it's each day is its own little adventure, right. and um, something I've really focused on with my company is like, I know three year olds. Mm-hmm. I know them like the back of my hand. I know their attention span. Mm-hmm. I know their interests, and I know like if I wanted to do the same thing all week, I'd lose them. Right. So um, yeah, I created something that's really unique, and um, right. yeah, it's. I really one thing I really liked that it kind of came out to me was a lot of the stuff about like empowering mm-hmm. and building confidence in, in the kids and and, the, and and I thought that was really cool and, and they definitely there's stuff in there with there's bonuses to the parties where they'll teach them etiquette and curtsying um, and things like that which is it's just fantastic so I mean, uh, bravo on Thank that you. Uh, where can they find uh, find the uh, princess and me website. Um, our website is princessandmeparties.com. Okay. And um, we're also on Yelp and Facebook. Nice. And, uh, yeah, they can book see all the today. information. Yeah, book today. <laughs> book today. Book preferably five weeks or more in advance. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, we are booking up fast for summer, and we do still have a small cast. Um, and I like to keep it that way. We keep it a nice, small, reliable cast. Mm. So once we book up, we book up, and I'm more than happy to say no. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I – you know, coming coming to the end, uh, do you have any kind of last advice for actors or creators or business owners or just kind of any general life advice you'd like to pass to our audience that's listening right now? Sure. Um, I think the biggest advice I can give is balance. Um, I feel like a lot of people get burned out their first year out here in L.A. and don't make it um, because they get so into one thing. Mm-hmm. And um, when you put all your energy into one thing, mm-hmm. it's easy to get burned out. It's easy to lose hope because you don't have other stuff to go to. Right. So um, create your own opportunities. Um, go knock on doors. Create your own business if that's your thing <laughs> or your own YouTube show or whatever. Keep yourself just active and um, realize that your your thoughts um, 
radiate. So try and find a way to remain Mm -hmm. positive and grateful and happy so that when you do have that opportunity for your dream or you have a dream role and you get to act and Mm -hmm. go in that room, you're not in a place of want. You're in a place of gratitude. Absolutely. Um, Do you have any room for a bearded princess? I'm just curious. Just (laughs) just for my own. I can curtsy. What about the beast? Oh, but I mean, the princesses get all the attention. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And I, I like, I mean, I feel pretty. I'm just saying. Uh, where can people find you on, um, on the internet? Sure. Um, not, not like address. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can find me on Instagram. That's what I use the most. My Instagram handle is only Cat. O-N-L-Y-A-L-I-C-A-T. Um, and so you can find me there. I'm also on um, Facebook. Um, my professional page is Allie Williams, um, only Allie Cat. And then I'm also on Twitter, but I don't use it, but you can find me there. It's Allie Axe. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I hope you'll stay for a little bit of a roundtable for yeah. our next episode. But uh, thank you so much for this interview. It was great. It was yeah. so much fun talking to you. Princessandmeparties.com. Only Alley Cat. Please go look at, go see her stuff. She's got great things going on and happening. Thank you so much, Alley. Really Thank appreciate you so much. it. Back to you, Daniel and Michael, in the studio. Wow, that was such a good conversation. Um, I remember uh, sitting with Alley, and we actually ended up having to record in our different spot than we usually do, and so we had to really figure out it was a kind of a condensed spot, and so we had to really figure out our configuration and Allie was such a trooper with us and drove to a new location with us after going to our original location to record and then there were some issues with it and so she was so nice and so um, generous and we really appreciate her time coming on and discussing what she loves uh, with us um, you know one of the things I just want to talk about from the interview um, is you know talking about changing your path and finding your way. You know sometimes you go, I'm going to do this. Uh, this is what I'm going to do, um, <clears throat> and you kind of come to a point where you realize maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I want to try something else. And you know something about it, just the the light and the passion for something kind of fades, and that's that happens. That's normal. It's not a terrible thing if that happens. Um, and like Allie did, you know, she was pursuing this theater, uh, theatrical stuff in school and then realized, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do film. Why am I still doing theater? And, you know, so that's something always be um, self-aware of, are you enjoying what you're doing? Are you loving what you're doing? Does it make you happy? Um, yeah, sometimes we have to make sacrifices and we sometimes aren't going to be completely happy with our job because we have to bring home money uh, to survive for us or maybe our families and you know you have to find other ways to have creative outlets like a podcast or a YouTube uh, channel um, but always keep looking you know don't just settle if you're not happy with where you're at see if you can find something else um, that will supply you with income but make you happy um, that's always important another thing that we talk about that I think is interesting is you know staying yourself and making you needed you know how she tells someone like my type you're going to want like people are going to want this kind of uniqueness um ali is in the best possible way a unique personality and um changes her hair color all the time and you know all this stuff and so you know she's not the typical la actress 
that is blonde or brunette and state looks like the girl next door in a lot of ways she is her own unit her own self she has her own personality and you know i think it's important to to be that person if you have a personality that's unique and you have a different look you like to change your hair color a rainbow style of hair colors then that's great you know um maybe that's what that makes you unique it makes you different people like that people will see that and they'll want that in their tv shows and their films because they need those unique people sometimes to feel uh fill the environments or the characters they need um you know or they'll, they'll love you so much because they're so different they'll write a character for you uh, you know there's so many stories of television shows where this one character was a certain way or they didn't have this character especially like lost and some other shows where they wrote the character wrote a character for this person because they loved their uniqueness and their personality so much so never change you to be the mo- you know to in sacrifice who you are to be the model of what you think la wants uh make them need you um that's another thing with creative creating content you know creating films and, and scripts and uh, songs and things like that make them want you make keep making stuff make them come to you um, as long as you're hustling and doing the hard work to create things it'll happen if you're putting it out there letting people know it's there and sharing it trust me it uh, over time it will happen you know keep hustling keep going to auditions and stuff but you know you have to make your own opportunities sometimes um, and then we talked about branding and how you have to be consistent. You have to make sure you are being you. You have to be personable. You know, you have to engage your fans and do stuff that's fun and different. And, you know, let them know you appreciate them and, and give them stuff to look at and watch. You know, I know Allie does a lot of live Instagramming. And sometimes it's just like her while she's washing ditch, dishes and she does like a Q&A with people. You know, stuff like that is something that you know you need to make sure you're doing if you're getting a good following start doing live videos and see if people start watching and asking questions of you um you know make funny videos and you just understand learn instagram and twitter especially instagram that's really big right now especially with branding um a lot of the political and and stuff you know stuff like that stays on twitter you know instagram is really about your life and personability and branding and um they really make sure that it stays that way i think and so um, you know, let people know who you are and give them stuff to, you know, build a bond with you and be, and then as she said, be careful about who you reply to that says, hi, make sure you look at maybe who they are and the things they post, or maybe if they've talked to other people, you can see on other social medias. Speaking of social media, you can catch Allie on Instagram at only Allie cat and on Twitter, Allie acts. You can also follow us on our social media, which we'd love because we want to hear from you about what you thought of this uh, interview. Um, if you have uh, uh, your own business, we want to know about it, what, what your hustle is. Um, if you're a cosplayer, we'd love to know like what's your you know favorite things to cosplay as. Um, you know what what do you love about cosplaying? Um, and if you have a unique look and or a unique a story about a, your unique look going into an audition and how the casting directors reacted to you we'd love to hear that find us on uh, facebook hollywood hustle podcast we're also on instagram at hollywood hustle podcast and we're on twitter at la hustle cast uh it's a little different than our other ones unfortunately but there you go uh you can also email us we'd love to hear your stories about castings or moving to la or cons or anything at hollywood hustle podcast at gmail.com 
Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Now, coming up next week in Act Two with Allie Williams, Michael sits down with Allie and I to talk about the discovery process of one's own identity in Los Angeles, what that means, and how you find it. We also discuss cosplay and Gamergate. What was it? Uh, who did it affect? And what criticisms do cosplayers deal with that most people don't? Uh, finally, we delve into a discussion about self-branding, especially in the social media landscape, something Ali is very good at. Uh, so don't miss any of it. And always remember to keep up the hustle. This episode of the Hollywood Hustle podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, please visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.